presence and the glory of God. Would you like to greet the people, babe? Good morning, good morning. Uh, we are so glad to be here. As my husband stated, we just sense and feel the presence of God in the room. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so we are expecting something great and mighty. Oftentimes, um, you may think you're the only one coming to expect something. But even as carriers of the gospel, when we come into any space where God is, we are expecting the miraculous. And so on today, as your pastor already said, um, Pastor Dobbins is going to open and I'll be back. But I just want to admonish you um, by the spirit to have an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying and that you are fertile ground and your ground depends on what the seed of the word can do. Uh, the word is seed, it's spirit and it's life. So when it goes forth, uh, it is falling into the seed of your heart. And so I pray that you have a spirit of expectancy. I pray that your faith is stirred. Father, where there is little faith, I ask for the gift of faith yes. to fall in this room now. Father, that the gift of faith, God, that will cause us to do great and mighty things and to receive mm. an engrafted word that is able to save our soul, mm. which will transform us and then will equip us to go out and to make disciples of other men and women. And so today you are going to be a sign and a testament of the goodness of God. When someone sees you later this week, they're going to know that God is real just by what you encountered. It's going to be secondhand information, but the power of God is going to do something so great and mighty in this room today that they're going to see it when you walk down the street. They're going to see it when you go, whether you're going to school, whether you're going to work, whether you're going back to your family. There is going to be a light that is going to illuminate from you, and it is going to be that light, the light. We are light barriers and light carriers, and so I'm going to sit down before I preach right now, but... Something great is going to happen today. God bless you. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise for Pastor Ali? Come on. We, we really do believe God is doing a new thing in London. You might be seated in the presence of the Lord. Wow. We are a different kind of couple. We teach and preach wherever we go. We're almost always on assignment and ready to just try and submit to the word of the Lord. I feel like an usher today because I do believe that God has dropped something so deep in her spirit that my assignment is to just be an appetizer to get you ready for the entree the main course and the main meal. I want to invite your careful attention to the book of 1 Samuel. I won't give you any particular verse. I want to give you a few preludes and a brief summary of what's going on in chapters maybe one and two. And we'll see what the Lord will do as she probably broaches chapter three. We don't typically tell each other what we're preaching. So sometimes I have to sniff around spiritually. 
to see where she is. But the Lord would summarize it with the beginning of transition. And the Lord told me that somebody in this room is not only in transition, but you hate transition. Every time you get stable, things move. And every time things move, you think you're stable, and then he moves you again. But this is a semblance of the moving of the spirit. You do remember in the beginning, you guys remember that? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. How else is Jesus able to walk on water unless the Spirit is on the inside of him? This is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't want to mess up your theology, but it's super simple to me. H2O, two hydrogen, one oxygen, three different elements, but it's all one. Are we on the same page? You drink water, but you also like ice in your water. But then when you boil the pot, it goes up into steam. Three different forms, but it's still one. And the problem when you're in transition, you get mad because you got comfortable in one form. And when God is trying to tell you, I want to multiply who you are. You keep asking for more and prosperity, but you don't want to be multiplied because you think multiplication is in one space. I've never seen an equation with the left or right on the other side of the equal become, uh, I, I, I've never seen it stay. It has to even one times one equals one, but they're still in three different locations. And you're frustrated, because I, I feel this in my spirit, because he's moving your location. Anytime God moves your location, he's trying to multiply, but you get mad because sometimes God multiplies by dividing. And sometimes he adds by subtract. Can I move this? Because I just feel free right now. And sometimes he adds by subtracting. But you got relationships that were subtracted from your life that you fell in love with that you got your heart broken over. And now you're mad because he's adding new life to you because you're frustrated because you thought the subtraction was addition. Never confuse transition with your mind. In your mind, you think you understand it because, after all, you make all... Can you give me just a few minutes? I'm okay. <laughs> after all, you make all of your choices. And because you make all of your choices most times without God, you get things mixed up in the equation. And transition in this season for you will be a little bit of subtraction and division. Because God's trying to show you that you can do more with less. <laughs> The issue, here, here, here let, me, let me drop this on you because I just feel this in my gut. The woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hems of, of his garment. You remember that? She didn't go to the top. She didn't go to the middle. She went to the bottom because the bottom is a collection of all the experiences that the top could not hold. You keep trying to go to the top, but you, you're not ready for the top. You keep trying to go to, the, you're not ready for the middle. The real weight and power is at the bottom. That's why we couldn't get out of worship. That's why we couldn't get out of praise. Because the real anointing is at the bottom. You don't need a preacher to worship God. You don't, listen, let me tell you something. You don't need a preacher, a speaker, or a pastor. All you need to do is lay prostrate in his presence. That's what the glory is. 
And when we get to 1 Samuel chapter number 1, we have found somebody who has found the glory. There is a woman named Hannah. Can I just talk about Hannah? You remember Hannah? Hannah is pregnant with purpose, but not pregnant with a person. Let me, let me rewind that. She's pregnant with purpose, but not pregnant with the person. Some of you are single, so you feel like you're pregnant with purpose. God has his greatness, but you're not pregnant with person. And you're frustrated in the transition because you don't see the person in your purpose. But God will only send the person when you fully surrender to the purpose. You keep, mis you keep overlooking the purpose, thinking that the purpose is often in the person. If I just get the, if I get the, per is it only in the United States? If I just got the husband. If I just got the job. If I just get the wife, then everything will be all right. No, no, no. You have to fall after the purpose because it's according to his purpose, not even yours. In this transition in the book of 1 Samuel, we see that Hannah is pregnant with purpose, but she's not pregnant with the person. And you know you're not pregnant with the person when other people get on your nerves. There was this woman named Panina. You remember Panina? But, oh, women, women, you, you get along with every woman, right? Every, every, you've never had an argument with any other woman? Okay, okay, all right, all right. When, okay, okay, I just want to make sure. And you know you're on your way to your purpose when there is irritation around you. See, God is getting ready to take you somewhere. And when he takes you there, he needs you to be tough enough to withstand the devils that are around you. But the devils are not just around you when you get there. They're around you right now. What did you think you were going to become a pearl without this oyster irritation? What did you think you were going to be a diamond without a black hole experience? Let me tell you something. God is powerful and he's all wise and he's all known. Can we just... Can we take a moment to magnify God? One thing, that had Hannah, one thing that had Hannah's attention was the praise and the power of God. That's what helped her through bitterness. Can you imagine what she felt like? She was married to Elkanah. Elkanah had, she, he said, am I not better to you than ten sons? She says, that's nice, Hannah. <laughs> that, that's nice, Elkanah. But I want to be pregnant with my own person on the inside. But one thing she had going for her is that she understood the power of praise. Come on, can we just hear a little praise? See, God is so powerful that before there was ever a big bend, he was always telling time in eternity. God is so powerful before there was a tower of London. Let me tell you something. He was the tower of righteousness. God is so amazing before there was ever a River Thames, as you call it, or we, we say River Thames. He was... <laughs> There was always a flow in the spirit of God. God knew you before your parents, man. God knew you before there was a wind or where he's always been God almighty. And until you get out of yourself and praise him for being God, you'll try to run everything. But Hannah steps back and said, God, this is too great for me because I really want to snap Polina. Oh, never mind. She didn't want to snap. She was angry at Panina, but Panina was only used to push her into her purpose. Her purpose does not come until there is irritation. So there's the power of praise, and you get into the power of praise. You say, God, we magnify you. You're amazing. God, we exalt you. And all of a sudden, somebody around you reminds you that your God isn't what you think he is because your God didn't give you what you wanted. Am I the only one who's ever been mad at God because I didn't get what I wanted? 
Oh, we, you see, we don't talk about this in church, but some of us are secretly frustrated and angry because we didn't get what we thought God was going to give us when we thought he was going to get it. So we're angry. So the power of praise has to be met with the power of pain. And if you're in this room and you're, and you're dealing with some type of pain, whether it's internal, whether it's external, whether it's in your mind or your body or your spirit, you're in the right place. The real anointing comes to destroy a yoke. A yoke has something to do with pain. You keep asking for the anointing, but you don't want to be broken. You keep asking for keys to open locks, but like a key, you got to be broken in all the right places in order to turn the lock. How else will you open doors that you, no man has seen? How else can you walk into new territory and new destiny? You got to understand the power of pain is to push you into your destiny, is to push you into your legacy. The power of pain has to be used to build you. We want to be built without pain. Oh, God, we, we want flowers without rain. <laughs> Anytime there is pain in your life, it's an indication that God is on the other side of working the miracle. Oh, God. In this praise moment, she's praising God, but she's in pain. And Hannah praises God so good that she is believing him and her pain pushes her to prayer. We started out with the power of praise. This is like eight sermons in one. We started out with the power of praise, but the power of praise was met with the power of pain. But the power of pain pushes you into prayer. Your prayer life can only be hot like fire when there has been pain. The pain is to get you to open your mouth to God and not to people. No, 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 you, you, well, I, you say, I didn't say anything to them, but you're still commenting on the post. I didn't say anything to them, but you're still texting them nasty, mad things because you're angry on the inside. The power of pain is to push you into the presence of God. When you get into the presence of God, that's when miracles are birthed. Hannah gets into the presence of God, and she discovers that I'm pregnant not only with a purpose, but now I'm pregnant with a person. And she says, God, if you give me this person, I will dedicate him to you. On her way to being pregnant with a person, this person will later be called Samuel. She's met at the altar with somebody who's think, who thinks she's drunk. <laughs> How could you be filled with the Holy Spirit and they think you're drunk? Our Uber driver was asking, have you, ever, have you been to any nice nightclubs here? I said, no, we're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The nightclubs are not on our list. I think it was one of the nights I saw this big long line going into the nightclub. I said, wow. What if that long line was going into the church? What if that long line was going into prayer? What if that long line was a line of prophecy? What if that long line was a line of healing and deliverance and miracles? Hannah is met with somebody who thinks that she's drunk. But this is the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit comes because she said, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I'm not drunk like you think I am. I'm filled with the power of expectancy don't lose your expectancy. I don't know. I came for a couple of people. Don't lose your expectancy in the middle of your pain. You praise real good. You worship real good. You pray real good. But you really, you gave up in your heart. You really stopped believing. And your faith is low. Your faith is low because your pain is high. 
And when your pain is high, that's an indication that your faith should be high. You got to go through enough what we call H-E double hockey six. Can I say hell in church? You got to go through enough hell that your pain has to match where God wants you in the spirit on your faith level. Hannah conceives. She gets pregnant. She has never been pregnant before. She says, God, I'm going to dedicate Samuel to you. And she's dedicating Samuel to God. This young, brilliant, bright mind, some would call him the first prophet and the last judge, but others would argue because some scholars believe that really Moses was a prophet. Whatever the case, we know that Samuel was a true prophet. But before Samuel steps on the scene, and I just want to digress, I'm going to decrease while the beautiful bride increases. <laughs> the amazing thing is that Samuel was only birthed for a purpose and a time and a season. His birth had nothing to do with Hannah's beauty had nothing really fully to do with her prayer and her praise. It almost had nothing to do with her pain because God will use anybody. Stop looking over people who you've judged to be little because God wants to raise them high. As a matter of fact, some of you think in your own eyes, in some aspects, that you're low. That's a qualification that he's going to bring you high. And before we could ever even get to Samuel in the temple, Eli receives judgment. He gets a warning. I know you said, where did Eli come from? You introducing all these different characters. Eli was supposed to be like the priest at the time. What do you do when there's wicked leadership? This is why you have to thank God for great leadership because it could be wicked. And Eli did not have the courage to discipline his own sons. Woe unto you if you spoil your children to the point where there is a lack of discipline and they're good to you, but they destroyed the world. They had sex with women in the temple. Lust was high. They took the offering that was supposed to be dedicated to God. This goat lamb type offering. You do know that the real offering is a spotless lamb, right? So this semblance, instead of taking it to work, they ate it for themselves. And nobody preaches on the spirit of gluttony. And we have churches all across the world with their spiritual gluttony. Oh, God. <laughs> spiritual gluttony is when I get a word and I use it for me and I don't share it with you. Spiritual gluttony is when God blesses me and I don't tell you how he blessed me. I watch you struggle and I secretly look down at you and I say, you should be higher. But I have a secret and I don't give it to you. Whatever happened to spiritually people? Picking people up. That's why your prayer warriors in here. Where are the prayer warriors at? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I sense prayer warriors in because prayer warriors will pick you up in the spirit. 
and pray for you when you're weak. They can feel, they, they don't tell your business. They just pray for you in secret. And when they see, God bless you. I, I love you. I've been praying for you. They don't bring up what you did. They don't bring up what's going on. They just pray for you. But Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were some evil jokers. These were the two kind of guys who would go and talk to girls and say, you take this one, I'll take this one. They had sex in the temple, all type of idolatry, all type of immoral worship. And Eli watched it all and did nothing. I see a room full of young people. Even if you don't feel young, you're younger than your mother. <laughs> and I'm going to say this in the last moments that I have been allotted. It's one thing to be young and make mistakes. But it's another thing to be an old fool. Eli, why wouldn't you discipline your sons? So he receives judgment. And the judgment says, I'm getting ready to take from you. And you're from the house of Levi. You're from the house of priesthood. You're supposed to be glory carriers, prayer warriors, worshipers. See, some of you, I want to say this prophetically, and I'll come back and do a little more later. Some of you don't realize that in your bloodline, there were kings and priests and prophets and evangelists who disobeyed the call. And now you secretly struggle to get the courage to walk after your call because your lineage did not walk it out properly. So the path has been blocked up. But it's to you we come. Because God is getting ready to use you to open up a pathway. I see currents in my spirit here. I see Kurt. the first time I met your pastor, I saw the strength of men, but I also saw sobriety. Whenever I see sobriety, I immediately connect. Everybody's not pure. That when the Bible says that the pure in heart shall see God, that's talking about sobriety because God will do something with a pure heart. A pure heart and then a worshiping wife, you guys have a double threat. But you're the triple threat if you bring it together. But it's to you. Don't think that because Samuel was a boy or a male, Samuel represents the beginning of a new generation. That's what I sense when I look into your eyes. I sense the newness. God was going to do something new. He says, I'm going to cause the ears to tingle. They'll not be able to understand it. Eli, your time is up. And I'm going to even kill your sons. Oh, God is a gangster. <laughs> Eli is about to digress. Samuel's about to increase. Hophni and Phinehas are going to be killed in battle. And it's at this moment we enter into, I think, 1 Samuel chapter 3, or wherever you land. Amen.
going to try to set my timer and, and be obedient. I don't know that we will get through everything today as Pastor Dobbins was opening up. I'm going to read a few passages from 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assistant Eli. First, I'd like to give honor to your pastors <laughs> and to my husband, Pastor Dobbins. Um, to our guests, some of our friends that drove in from Birmingham and our other friends at the back that came and joined us today, we're excited to see you. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. He served the Lord by assisting Eli. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Uh, you don't. You can just put your phone down. I'm going to go back and forth for a minute with the scripture. So, um, it, this this as Pastor Dobbins has already began talking about Samuel. Samuel is the answer to his mother's prayer. Uh, I want you to know that you are the answer to somebody's prayer. I want to start there. He is the answer to his mother's prayer. Um, she weaned him. The Bible says. And then she took him back and gave him to the Lord. And while he is being weaned from her, God sent Eli to raise him up and train him in the things of the Lord. Now, Pastor Dobbins just explained to you the state and condition of the temple and of Eli and his sons. And it would seem as if because Eli was allowing his sons to participate in such debauchery and did not uh, discipline them, why would God choose him to raise up Samuel? But see, God is God. And so we learned this lesson here with Eli and Samuel that we even learn later with David and with Saul when David says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm, when he would not kill Saul because he understood that the anointed had rested upon Saul. And once the anointing has rested upon someone, that anointing is of the Lord, then who am I as a mere man to wrestle against the anointing? We're going somewhere. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Let me say this too. The, the, the book of Judges really sets the stage for this book. The very last uh, verse in Judges chapter 21, I believe 25, it says, There was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, I don't, I don't know about you all in the UK, but in America, everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. Maybe y'all are a little bit more holy than we are, but they are doing uh, what is right in their own eyes, and they are bringing it uh, in, in, into the temple, and they don't realize they're bringing it in the temple. One of the reasons I'm saying they don't realize it is because Christians have decided they want to be more like the world rather than living a lifestyle that is completely opposite of the world to show that this is what the world needs. So because we have so many lukewarm Christians, and the Bible tells us God would rather you be hot or cold uh, rather than lukewarm. If you are lukewarm, if you are a Christian who is straddling the fence, if you are a Christian who is vast between whether you serve God and whether you serve the world, then God will spew you out of his mouth. He'd rather you just be a sinner or you just be saved. You can choose which one you prefer. And so this is the setting in which uh, they are living, and this is actually the setting in which we are living where everyone is doing that which was right in his own eyes. So you have a 
a, a world that is doing that which is right in his own eyes. You have the high priest in the temple that is not uh, leading the temple properly. And the answer to that is Samuel, yeah. a prophet. Yeah. And anytime God wants to do something in the earth, he raises up a voice. Samuel is that voice that had been anointed from the foundation of the world to be come and set the, the stage or be a part of this, if it were a play that was being acted out, he was the answer to every problem that was in that play. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite common. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of the Lord. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel, yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and ran to Eli, here I am. Did you call me? These first few verses set, let us know that Samuel served the Lord first by serving Eli. Uh, serving in church is sometimes a lost art. We don't know. We believe we're serving man. But actually, when you serve your pastors, when you serve this house, that is actually the way in which you serve the Lord, by serving his people. And so Samuel is being trained. The, the difference in Samuel, Samuel has a lot of distinctions. He is credited with being the first prophet because he establishes the order of the prophets. He establishes the school of prophets. He puts... Uh, prophets in formal training that is established through Samuel if you go further in the book of first Samuel I believe it's chapter 7 you will find the scriptures are talking about Mitzvah he is also the last judge and I have to tell this because I don't know if everybody knows what this really means but in the book of Judges which the, the book of Judges I gave you that last that last verse out of the book of Judges it uh, the judges were who were in charge at that time, the children of Israel was led by judges. When they had a righteous judge, they would prosper. When they had a wicked judge, they would go into war, they would go back and they would wander into disobedience. And so that was a cycle that they would have. You know some of the famous judges. Deborah was a famous judge. She was the female judge that we know. Samson was another famous judge. I don't know if you realize he was a judge. We only talk about his hair most of the time, but he was a judge. And so Samuel is the last judge. He is the changing of the guard. He is the changing of the order. When, when Pastor Dobbins was speaking, what I heard was there's a new order. I didn't hear that before that moment, but when he began to say what he saw looking out at you as young people, what I heard prophetically, a new order. Samuel is the changing of the order of the judge, and now he is the change of establishing the office of the prophet. He is now, he is also a priest. That is the only way that he could be raised up in the temple to be part of the priesthood. So he is a judge, he is a prophet, and he is a priest. He is unique. He is the only prophet that the Bible says, and God let none of his words fall to the ground. As great as some of our favorite prophets are, Jeremiah, just like fire shut up in my bone, Ezekiel, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, all of our favorite prophets, but Samuel is the only one that the Bible gives us an account that none of his prophecies failed. The Bible says God let 
none of his words fall to the ground. He has been raised and trained by Eli, who when the Bible says was almost blind, it was a natural blindness, but actually it was a picture of his spiritual state. He, in this particular time, has been saved a long time. Let's put it in modern terms. But his spiritual eye is failing him. And so now Samuel is being raised and trained by someone who knows the way, but looks like they have forgotten the way. Oh, you'll catch that later. The Bible then says the, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. He was sleeping, and then he heard the Lord, and he replied to Eli, did you call me? The trans, uh, King James Version says, here am I. Eli says, I didn't call you, and I won't read all of those. Samuel goes back to sleep. He hears the Lord call him again, goes back to Eli. The second time, Eli says, I didn't call you. It took Eli three times to discern. It took him three times to discern. That's how dull he'd been in the spirit. That mean, that's like that time that you had to pray for about eight hours before you could tap in because you had been walking away and doing too many other things. It took you a while to press in into the spirit. It took him three times, even though he was in the temple, he was the high priest. It took him three times to discern, oh, it's not me calling you Samuel, it's God. It took him a while to discern it, but when he discerned it because he knew the way, he could give him accurate instructions. I, I just have to paint this picture because what I really see and I really hear in my spirit, uh, and it's not just for this body of believers, but there is, you know, in America we have a saying called speaking truth to power. But if you're not anointed to speak truth to power, speaking truth to power could cost you your life. Sometimes if you are anointed to speak truth to power, speaking truth can cost you your life. And we're going to get there in just a second. So the third time he said, go back, go back, Samuel, um, and ask the Lord. Now, it's, it's interesting to see verse 7 says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord. So he had been in the temple, he'd been trained in the temple, he was being raised in the temple, but he had never experienced the God of the temple. He was in the temple, he had been weaned from his mother, being trained in the temple, but had never experienced the God of the temple. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, here am I, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. He says, go lie down. And if someone calls again, uh, in the King James it says, speak, Lord, thy servant listeneth. And so uh, Samuel replied when the Lord called again, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. I have warned him. So I've already talked to Eli. So Samuel, I'm not telling you something that has not been said before. This is not new news. I'm just repeating to you what I've already said to your spiritual father. I'm going to say that again. I'm only repeating to you what I've already said to your spiritual father. I'm bringing it into modern terms. I am going to carry out all my threats against him. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever. 
because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. The next morning, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, got up, went and performed his duties, opened the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out and said, Samuel, my son. Now he begins to let you know the, the nature of the relationship. My son, here I, here I am, Samuel. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. I mean, he sounds kind of Nigerian, though, Pastor. You know, that's those, that's those prayers that I've heard them pray now. And if you're watching online, the pastor's Nigerian. That was a joke. It's all good. It's a joke. And half the people, they're laughing because they knew I was telling the truth. <laughs> he said, so Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he think is best, thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba, in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel. I want to talk briefly, just uh, giving you three points, because that helps me stay on track when I have a lot to give, because I could really talk to you from this text for a good hour and a half, two hours, but that's not the way y'all's church is set up. <laughs> but I want to talk to you briefly about several things about Samuel and I, 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 I'm just going to title this what came into my spirit. I was going to title this transition and transfer because oftentimes we think those are the same thing. But transition often speaks to a process or a, a period of time in which something is going to occur or is occurring. Transferring is me, if I transfer this mic to you, this is me giving you this and handing it to you. And so I wanted to title this Transitions and Transfers because from the beginning of time, God has been doing transitions and transfers. Pastor Dobbins didn't even know what I really wanted to start off. I wanted to start off in the beginning, in the beginning God. And that's who we see for, for the majority in all of the Old Testament, we see the power is with God. We see the transitions of the children of Israel and the, tr and the power and the authority is with God. But by the time that Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament and dies and gets up on the third day and all power in heaven and earth is given to him, then we see another transfer of power. But then we see Jesus also say that I'm not, I, I have to go and so that the comforter will come. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost is fully come, ye shall receive what? Power. So we saw another transition of power or transfer of power. So I wanted to talk about the polarities of the transitions in the text and the transfer of power in the text. But when Pastor Dobbins starts speaking, it's a new order. You need to know that the name of your church is not just something that fell out of the sky, or perhaps it did, but it came from the throne. 
because there is a new order. What's important for you to know in this church is, is that you are a picture of Samuel, but every Samuel needs an Eli. No matter what you think of Eli, Eli did not do right with his own children, but yet God handpicked Eli to raise up the one prophet whose words never fell to the ground. So some of you know some older people, perhaps that before you even came to this church and you knew they were anointed, but you found out this about them or you found out that about them and you knew that the power of the Lord was once there and you feel like the power of the Lord is not there. But I'm going to tell you, look again, because every Samuel needs an Eli. God is a God of order. Since the beginning with Adam, he began to set up order. Every Joshua has to have a Moses. Every Elisha has to have an Elijah. This is so important that we see that Elisha drops the ball because he chooses somebody who is not worthy and chooses Gehazi. Elijah's lineage should have continued from Elijah to Elisha and whomever Elisha passed the mantle to, but he chose a servant who was unworthy, who was after filthy lucre, and Gehazi dropped the ball so much so I'll prove it to you that Elisha's mantle was still hovering in the earth when there was this old preacher that came through the wilderness named John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah because Elisha did not choose a successor. We are living in transition. In America, we experience transition. Over here, uh, even, even politically, you're experiencing transition. And every successor, you are only as good as your successor. What makes Moses the greatest leader of all times is that Joshua was successful. And that every time you see, if you keep reading throughout the book of Joshua, and the Bible will remind you, Moses already said this. The Bible will remind you over and over again, they were not at odds. They were always in sync, even in Moses' death. Whatever Moses said, Joshua fulfilled. So the enemy wants to separate the older generation and the younger generation because it is God's order that every Mary that is carrying a baby that she doesn't even know how she got pregnant can stumble into the house of an Elizabeth so that you too will have something to exchange in the spirit. Every Paul needs a Timothy. So I don't know who your Eli is. What you think of Eli, Eli may have gotten old and, and, and allowed his children to make decisions that he shouldn't have made. And you have to watch that because you can't be so judgmental because, Pastor, as great as Samuel was, the one thing he duplicated from, from Eli was he did not raise his own sons well either. We forget Keep reading. When the Bible says, after he won at Mizpah, the Bible goes on, I believe it's chapter 8 or so, that says, now Samuel is old, and he had gone throughout all the land judging all the people, and he got ready to set his sons up as judges. And the people said, your sons aren't like you. 
Your sons aren't like you. See, listen, look at, look. with Eli, God had to say it. With Samuel, the people said it. God is looking for a generation who knows how to speak to the older generation in a manner in which it can be received. So you can't just walk up saying what you want to say, how you want to say it. Samuel handled the prophetic word he received with fear and reverence. And I, I want to say this. First, Samuel had to be trained. But that's the next thing I want to say. Then he was tested. And you say, well, Elder Dobbins, I didn't see him be tested. Yeah, you saw him be tested by the Lord a lot sharing with him something secret about his spiritual father. The testing was that Samuel didn't get up and go tell everybody else. The testing was how Samuel was able to even still honor his spiritual father, knowing that God had already said, I'm cutting him off. He didn't uncover him. He, he didn't. We, we've seen that before, though, with Noah and his sons, <laughs> one who covered and one who didn't. But Samuel, not only was he trained, you have to look at what's, what it cost Samuel to be Samuel. Samuel didn't get to be raised. Listen, I don't know. He sounds like a lot of people I know today. He didn't get to be raised with his mother and father. Oh, we didn't. We don't. We don't view it that way. We view it from Hannah's. Oh, she got the baby and she took him and she weaned him. No, what this meant is Samuel saw his family once a year as a child. Samuel's mother and father, he didn't get the camaraderie of his other brothers and sisters. He didn't get to grow up how they grew, grew up. He didn't get to experience the family bond the way they had the family bond. If I was teaching another class, I'd say, so you call yourself a prophet. Because, see, to be a prophet means oftentimes you walk alone. And so his training as a child prepared him for the weight of the word that God was going to send through him. Because the Bible says when people saw Samuel coming, they would run in terror. Not like the prophets today. They want to run a prophetic word. I'm scared of the prophets that everybody wants to run to hear what they have to say. Because when Samuel came, they knew order was coming. Not just a new house, not just a boyfriend or a husband, not just a new job making six figures so you can sow a seed back into me, not, not just that. They knew the word of the Lord was showing up. And they knew because it had been tested over time that whatever he said was coming to pass. He was trained in the house of the Lord. And it, it's just interesting that God let none of his words fall to the ground when the word that was going forth in that house, the Bible says there was not much, it was not much light. It was very dim. It was very dim. And the first part of his journey happens in the temple. The, 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 the training, the testing, the word of the Lord proving true, 
And then the Bible says he grew, and he goes on, and like I said, later on in chapter 7, they go and they have a battle, and they win at Mitzvah. God gives them, God intervenes on their behalf, and then the Lord begins to tell Samuel, you know, you're getting old. He told him, you're getting old, and he's setting up judges. But this last part for Samuel was, was different, and I don't know, I, I need to check my timer on this. I have about 11 minutes that I'm going to stand. This last part of the new order for Samuel after you're being tested and after you've uh, been trained and tested is talking about the transfer. This last leg of Samuel's life is him going around giving words, yes, but he now has to choose a king. And this is why I wanted to call this transition and transfer because the power he has as a judge is now being given to a successor as a king. He is the first prophet, but now we're having the first king. Everything first on Samuel's watch. Everything first on Samuel's watch. The first order of the school of prophets. Uh, everything first, and I don't know what first is going to happen here, but I see multiple things that are breaking forth here. This message today is not really about us preaching today. We're really here on a prophetic assignment because that is prophetic words that shift atmospheres and shift trajectories and that will accelerate you in the spirit and what once took you would take you about three or four years to get together after a word it can shift you into six months and so the thing about what what's going on here is there has to be an acceleration because the gap is so wide that the listen okay thank you holy spirit the gap is, is wide, it's wide, Pastor, between the generation that needs to come forth and the generation that needs to pass the baton. There's the, the, the gulf is so wide, it's so wide. And so there's gotta be an acceleration of growth and training on this end to expedite the process because it is only so long that some of the elder statesmen are gonna be able to hold up their end. Some of them, the Lord is going to bring down. Some of them, uh, some of them, the Lord has given a warning much the way that he'd already given a warning to Eli. And God is waiting for a Samuel. Sometimes Samuel is going to be a group. Sometimes Samuel is going to be a group that's coming together that's going to not just say, hey, this is what God is saying to you, but they are going to prove themselves worthy to God that, yes, now it's time. I can trust you that now when I bring this down, I know that this spot that has been secured, you are now mature enough to now cover it. I don't know if it's making sense how I'm saying it. I just have to flow. The last time I was in London preaching, I preached a sermon called Casualty of Transition. That was in 2017. We are still in that transition. That, that transition, I just got it earlier or at the end of last year, that message was for now. 
I preached it in June of 2017 in Croydon. But that message is for this season. And God has been holding up a group of senior statesmen that have been warned, that have gone after filthy lucre, that have been having secret sins and secrets hidden. God has warned them time and time again. And God has actually commissioned us in this season. I do it on my own in little small groups just like this of raising up a generation of Samuel because God needs this time it won't be one person it's going to be more like the children of Israel it's going to be more like how how it was God of Abraham Isaac and then Jacob but Jacob had 12 and so now this is where the multiplication that Pastor Diamonds actually was talking about that I didn't even know what he was talking about that's where the multiplication is going to come in it is going to be a company it's going to be one sound, one sound ringing from America, one sound ringing from the UK, one sound ringing from Africa, one sound. They're going to be in unison as if everybody was sitting in the room and coming up with the same thing. But it is because God is dropping down the word to the company of prophets. That's why Samuel had to create a school and a training and, and prophets of now, we don't, we don't have to necessarily prophesy like prophets of old because of the Holy Ghost. But because of sin and debauchery, now we have to prophesy like prophets of old. See, it was set up for us not to have to prophesy like prophets of old because we all have the Holy Ghost or access to it. And anytime you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have access to the gift of prophecy. And God is speaking to you if you have a relationship on a daily basis. But when sin has abounded the way it has and when the devil has increased, it will cause or force a company of prophets to open their mouth so that now God's word will prevail. So, so Samuel, though you're Samuel in this story, I have to tell you much like your Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of their power. That's why it's important to have an Eli relationship because if I am son and you are father, then I have access to come to you. But some people have closed the door and have only surrounded, how this table is round, surrounded themselves with people who cannot hear God either. So the only way to get their attention is exposure. Because there's nobody in the camp that's speaking truth. Eli said, let God do as he will because he knew he had disobeyed God. And, and the remedy for disobedience is just repentance. 
to turn away from it. It's important that Samuel was trained by someone who knew the way. But it was also important because of how God was going to use him that eventually God removed the barrier between he and Samuel, who was Eli. Why do I say it was a barrier? Because when God calls his voice, he confused it with Eli. Some of us are listening to certain voices as if they're God's. And they haven't, they haven't. I, I, I respect, though, that Eli kept saying, it, it wasn't me. You know, he, it took him a long time to figure out who it was. But, but some people are not saying it's not me. Some people are not saying, it's not me. As the younger generation, my charge to you today is to not just prophesy like Samuel, but be trustworthy like Samuel. Because the more God can trust you. See, we're the giftings and the callings. I'm from the old church. Those are those without repentance, babe. Anybody can prophesy. A psychic is prophesying. They're just doing it the wrong way. They're just, they're just doing it for the devil. And they're just calling it something else. But it's really the gift of prophecy that's been perverted. The person that is on the, on the it, maybe this is just America, reading tarot cards and telling you your astrology and all of those things. I'm going to find you, though. The person that's even in here, <laughs> the person that's uh-huh, got a little bit of sage and a little bit of Jesus, burning a little bit of sage and a little bit of Jesus, uh-huh, that's witchcraft, too. That person right there, all of that falls in the same category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you got Jesus. You don't need sage to cast out any spirits in your house. At the name of Jesus. At the name. So I don't, I don't need a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of sage. I need all of Jesus. But as the generation that God is raising up, my, my, my wisdom to you is to find, let's, let's, use, let's switch it up, to find your Joshua. I'm going to close with this because I was on with your pastor, Susan, on her live, and I told her I had been studying Joshua or teaching from Joshua since the month of, of December. And one of the things the Lord keeps impressing on me more and more every time I keep reading the same book that I've already read a lot of times. But, you know, the word is not a book. When I had a young lady tell me, well, I've already read the Bible, you know, I've already read the Bible. And I was like, well, that's the problem. You think it's a book. Like, I already read that. I'm done. No, no, no. It's spirit and it's life. So you will never really all read it. Go read it again. You're going to get something else. But what I began to realize, the more and more that I read this, 
is that Joshua was older than the people he led. Joshua was old enough to have walked with Moses. And I know that back in the day, people would preach it like, oh, it's the Joshua generation. Yes, they were young. Joshua wasn't young. He was Caleb's counterpart. So when Caleb says, I'm 80 and give me my mountain, Joshua and Caleb went and start spot out the land together. But the benefit was this was a younger generation that God was raising up, but they were being led by the wisdom of one who had already crossed over. I'm going to say it again. A younger generation that God is raising up, but being led by the wisdom of one who had already crossed over. Joshua had already spied out the land. He had already come back and reported. So he was old enough to be a spy, old enough to have walked with Moses, old enough for God to say, Moses, this is your successor. Put your authority on him. Standing before the people, put your authority on him so they will know to honor him the same way they honor you. He was old enough to see a whole generation die out in the wilderness and then lead their children on to the promised land. God is raising you up, not just you, but your generation. You can come on up, Pastor Dobbins. But my prayer for you is God sends your Joshua your Eli's, your people that know the way so that they will prevent you from making the mistakes along the way that are not necessary. Time is of the essence. The enemy has accelerated his plans, his plots. But, you know, that's, that's the Bible. When we, we, we're shocked, you know, I'll just keep saying it in America because maybe y'all not like this over here. <laughs> we see things on TV. Everybody in America was talking about what happened at our Grammys Awards. And is somebody worshiping the devil? I mean, the sinners are going to be the sinners. It's just time for the church to be the church and to be okay with being the church, to be, to be fine, to be settled in being the church to have enough of your identity in God that you desire to be the church. I don't know where we're transitioning, but I know Pastor Dobbins was gonna come back up. Um, I'll just wanna wrap those three points up. Don't neglect your training. Make sure God can trust you. And this was actually the way I was supposed to say it, so that you can be ready for the transfer. Because there is a new order, and God is looking for a place to transfer. Transfer, tag, you're it. It's that baton, the great cloud of witnesses to get in your, now, now you're getting ready to run your leg of this race that has gone on. Your training, God trusts you so you can be ready for the transfer. What a word. <laughs> Tried to warn you. <laughs> I know the hour.
hours far spent, but I want to be. I don't want to leave with any blood on my hands. And I think it only take a few moments. We were summoned here. And it got clearer as you spoke. I thank God, first of all, that we never took marriage for granted. Soon to be 20 years. In literally almost a week, I said, where do you want to go? We're supposed to go to Costa Rica and then go wherever. She said, let's go to London. We are actually here because we were initially celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary here. But we know God enough to know that marriage is ministry. It doesn't mean that your mate has to preach or teach, but we are all ministers of reconciliation. The word minister means to serve. This is why when your pastors ask you to do anything, just serve. That's ministry. You and your mate or future mate will serve. Whether you build a company, whether you build a family, whether you build an organization, you will serve. Whether you build a community. And so we've already booked another trip. We are on assignment to make sure that you're good. And what hit my gut, I said, well, babe, do you have any idea where you think you might go? She said, well, I don't know, (laughs) in terms of preaching. And I said, okay. And I told your pastor, very kind pastors, by the way, he took us to get some really good food. And I said, she's really full in her spirit. And I feel led to just open up and prepare a way. Husbands, future husbands, don't be afraid. It's okay. You don't have to always be the star. I've been warning people for years. I said, you see me on the stage, whether it's the Potter's House or other stages. I said, but she's my secret. And as I was praying and God was talking to me about Eli, at least she did tell me first Samuel, I said, okay. God dropped in my spirit prophetically that some of your parents, your uncles, your grandparents, people in your family, they were Eli. And you feel stuck thinking that all this responsibility is on you. You've not addressed Eli. It's a tough word. I'm not afraid to tell you because I don't want any blood on my hands when I leave. It doesn't mean that you have to go confront your parents or confront your grandparents, but you have to recognize what you did not get without complaining that you didn't get it. No, 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 I, I feel you here. 
Come I on, feel Holy it Ghost. here. I know what I see. Preaching Africa and where that I didn't preach too many. I, I've been preaching too long to not know when God has given me a burden. You stuck with Eli. That's your problem. It's not your work ethic. It's not your Come mind. On. It's not low self-esteem. You don't realize where the enemy has set up demonic encampment in your bloodline. All the great preachers tell, oh, it's a bloodline. No, 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 no. God has never given me this word so clear. Eli is in your bloodline. Wow. And you're trying to be Samuel without addressing Eli. Addressing means acknowledging Eli. You have to acknowledge that the flow stopped. Why do you have to start over? You should have houses. You should have land. You should have kingdoms. That's how rich your blood soil is. You should have countries, islands. But because there was an Eli in your family that did not obey God, now you think it's the struggle with your self-esteem or the struggle with your weight or the struggle with education or your job or to get a business or to write a book. Mm -mm. I heard the Holy Ghost say, if you would stand to your feet and in your heart acknowledge Eli, you would be free. We're getting ready to go somewhere in this service. It's up to you. It's an open invitation. If you know by the spirit of the living God that there is an Eli representation in your family, somebody didn't trust God in your family. Somebody didn't walk upright before you. Somebody broke your heart when they got a divorce. You thought they left you. They didn't leave you. They didn't leave you. They were cleaving to idol worship. And all this reason, I'm going to tell you what I, I stood up Hello, and I Holy said, Ghost. I don't know. I don't know Come if I'm going to give her the microphone because re the spirit of rejection leaped up. Yeah. Come on. Holy Ghost. The spirit of rejection is here because some of your Eli is rejection. And you think, if I just get him to accept me, if she'll just think I'm nice, mm -mm. you've not released Eli. When you release Eli, the real Samuel in you will rise up. Will rise up. I want to tell you this, and we would like to pray for you. Samuel never complained about Eli or his parents. She said, or his parents, because Eli at some point would be a parent to him. He ne the text says he never complained. No wonder we would talk about the power of pain. You think 
you're going to be Samuel without pain. Or you, you take the pain that you have and blame Eli. You're of age. You're of such spiritual age that God is holding you accountable. You cannot blame Eli. That's, that's, uh, you're of age to take on your own spiritual journey. You know what I see? I see world shakers in here. I see curse breakers and curse destroyers. You're going to help other people get free. But it's first by taking the shackles off your own. This is what I see. Take the chains off of you. You have imprisoned yourself for what Eli did. It's not your fault. I know it hurt. I know you saw wrong growing up, your house, your neighborhood. She said the, the world is going to be the world. The sinner is going to sin. Eli is just going to be Eli. But it's so that you don't become Eli. It's so that you realize the blame is not on you. You're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty, there is freedom. The Spirit is here, and you are free. To him that know that do good and don't do it, that's when it's a sin. And some of you have been holding yourself. You didn't even know. Whoa, whoa. I've been walking a certain way because of Eli. Can we pray for you? Would you stand to your feet? Can I read one scripture as we prepare to pray? Yes. I want to read a very familiar passage of scripture. You can keep playing. Thank you. I want to read it in a different translation. Because what he's describing you, some of you feel stuck in some areas. And one of the scriptures we like to quote is, um, the anointing destroys the yoke. And I'm not here to say that that's not true, but I want to read it to you in another translation. Because when he talked about you being a full age and um, you can't blame the, the past generations or the spiritual parents or your natural parents or whomever, Isaiah 10 and 27 in the Amplified says this, so it will be in that day that the burden of the Assyrian will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. But this is something interesting that it says. The yoke will be broken because of the fat. When you research that, it doesn't say the anointing destroys the yoke. It says the yoke around the oxen's neck will be broken because of the fat. It's talking about the fatness of the neck of the oxen, meaning that the oxen grew so much 
that his neck, he grew and it broke the chains off. Jesus. And that's the maturity that he's talking about. That when you grow in God spiritually, you're going to grow so much that it breaks every yoke off. It breaks every bondage. Yeah, it yeah, breaks yeah, yeah, every yeah, yeah. chain. It breaks everything. Because you took in the word. You prayed in the Holy Ghost. You fasted. You released unforgiveness. You released bitterness. And when that yoke tries to get put back on you, you break out of it because of the fatness the growth because of the increase see every time we say the anointing destroys the yokes we're waiting on God to come down and magically do it but the power is in you the power is in you to break everything off you the power is in you there is nothing no thing that the enemy can sin has sent has done will do that you do not have the power to utterly destroy it within you oh the day you believe that the day you really believe that the day you own that, that's what you have to do. You have to own that. The day you step into what he's given you, nothing shall be impossible to you. No thing will be impossible to you. We're all getting fat in here in the spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're breaking it. We're breaking everything. We're breaking bondage. We're breaking addiction. We're breaking unforgiveness. We're breaking it. Uh, Father, we thank you for your children. We come against every demonic root, tentacle, foundation, even if it was a marriage or an uncle or molestation or rejection from family or the lack of resources or poverty, the lack of a mother the lack of a love and the guidance from a father. We acknowledge that Eli was not always disciplined. But God, we give you glory for making us fat. Your grace is sufficient. Make us so fat until we overflow. Make us so fat until our self-esteem rises. Make us so fat till we realize that we can spiritually reverse any curse. Make us so fat that we realize that we're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Make us so fat that we run through troops and leap over walls. Make us so fat that we believe that we can do all things through Christ with strength. Make us so fat that we realize we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Make us so fat that we realize that we're the warriors, we're the prayer warriors, we're the worshipers, we're the preachers, we're the teachers, we're the business owners, we're the landowners, we are the husband, we are the wives. Make us so fat until we realize that your glory is here thank you that you're raising up a glorious church without spot 
wrinkle or blemish. I hear somebody saying, but what do I do about the hunger pains? You will be hungry for the presence of God. I speak a spiritual appetite. I speak a prophetic unction over your spirit. I pray that you have spiritual ears that are open to the glory of God. I pray that God would open up your wildest dreams. I pray that God would open up your spiritual eyes. I pray that God would make you like hinds feet. I pray that God would give you supernatural insight, witty inventions, concepts, ideology. I pray that God would give you creativity beyond measure. I pray that God would give you a new song. I pray that God would put preaching on the inside of you. I pray that God would give you the spirit of holiness. I cast down pride and lying and I, press, I cast down anger and rage and jealousy and envy and wrath. I cast down strife. I cast down envy. Oh, God. Fill them with your Holy Ghost, oh, God. Fill them until they overflow. I heard the Lord say, there are at least three writers in this room. I heard the Lord say, get the devotion out. As you write the devotion, there'll be a cleansing and a healing for your own past and your own journey. Mm. God is here. We're trying to close, but God is here. I prophesy to you that God's going to bless you so good. You will not even remember that all the things that Eli did. You'll just thank God that Eli led you to the voice of God. Remember that they were in the temple. Ere the lamp of God was going out, the light was flickering. <laughs> we better stop because I feel something about to hit this place. You're in a place where you're not too far in, but you're not too far out. The light is flickering. Oh, but thank God for the light that you have. Thank God that the light is still on. Thank God that you can still see. Thank God that there's still heat and a candle for his glory. The cup is half full. It's not half empty. The light is flickering on, not off. Mmm. Thank you for the visitation. Sweep over. God, we give you room. We give you room. Lust is falling off. Pride is being cast down.
Pastor, I, Pastor Ayo, I, I heard that, I heard the Lord say your church is ripe for multiplication. Ripe. <laughs> it means there's order here. Not perfection, but there's order here. And there will be a season to come of strong evangelism. Watch what I'm telling you. God is about to give you all a burden for souls. You're going to be bringing so many people in this place that you're going to have to find a new place. I don't pray for every church to be big. I pray for every church to be impactful. But in order to be impactful, this church is going to grow. <laughs> and everybody that thought, <laughs> some of you thought you were being buried under some stuff. same but they're different and because you were planted God's about to send the rain and when he sends the rain it's because of the confluent flow of this church there's order for the rain mm. <laughs> the season of evaporation is gone there's about to be a downpour. Watch what I'm telling you. Uh, this amazing pastoral couple will have so much favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. The favor of God. <laughs> I don't say this as coercion. I'm telling you so that you will understand it when it happens. As God makes you fat, something in you will want to make them fat. You'll be in your house or driving down the street or your business is booming or you're at work and you say, how can I bless my pastors? That's coming to your spirit. I see it coming. They're not gods, you honor God, but something in you will say, it's because of the flow of the obedience to step out. I'm telling you what I hear in my gut. Order is here, which means it's coming to your house. And when your house has order, there's unlimited flow. No dream is too small. When I say no dream, you say, most people say no dream is too big. But no dream is too small. Because God has given you a rhythm. Some of you, you say, well, God didn't give me this big thing yet. 
is because he's training you when you're faithful over little no wonder why this church is getting ready to grow he'll make you ruler over many training you're in a training season don't try to win the marathon just train but when it comes you'll get a medal because you're in shape I can't do this with Valentine being around the corner you guys celebrate Valentine over here right don't let your emotions shift for 24 hours when God's about to give you a spouse for 24 plus years. You could miss the spouse of your dreams over 24 hours. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yes, everybody wants roses or candy. But in this season, sounds bad or cruel you're in training season no runner eats sweets during training don't eat cake that season will come for your marriage it will come but in this season you're preparing for what's coming because when it comes you get to enjoy it the rest of your messed up my life before I met her because I was eating sweets just google whatever you think sweets <laughs> okay I almost got caught up in the sweet and missed the main entree you see delicious meal I'm just thinking about the, the meal, how God seasoned you. My point is, as we close, it will be worth the wait. It will be worth the wait. Don't settle for a job that's less than who you are. It doesn't mean you won't have to work and provide or do things that you don't want to do, but don't settle. For somebody, you're going to need to apply for a higher position, supervisor, manager, partner. For some of you, you're going to work something and your business, and your business is going to become so big that it's going to eclipse your work. Get ready. Just when it happens, promise me you will give God the glory. Amen. I'm, I just, I just want to 
thank God for this body of believers. Whether you attend this church or not, if you're in here today, you know, sometimes we look for God in the wind and the fire, but sometimes he's in a still small voice. And I just felt led. I don't want somebody to miss their moment. If there's one in here that we can touch and agree with today. For that increase that breaks the yoke. Because it's in you. That's why the New Testament says, according to the power that worketh in us, in you. My husband talked about the growth of this church. I just want to pronounce a blessing, not a deep blessing, but a midway the pandemic, the Lord started having me. Normally I have them that I made myself. I bought this one of, of putting together and giving the people of God pomegranate oil. There, there are other oils in the Bible than just olive oil, but the pomegranates, which were in the land of Canaan, in the promised land, were a sign of fruitfulness, fertility, and prosperity. And I pray and bless this house that the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow will be your portion. That this house and everyone attached to this house will be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in their going in, and blessed in their coming out. That this house and everyone attached, that the Bible says, whatsoever you do it, it shall prosper. Wherever the sole of your feet shall tread, he is giving you the territory. He is giving you the land. And I pronounce the blessing of Abraham, part of your Abrahamic covenant over this house, that the Lord promised to bless them that bless you. Curse those that curse you. So you don't have to curse them. God already has that covered. You've been told in the New Testament to pray for them. The reason you're praying for them because is because they are already cursed for cursing you so your prayers will lead them back to God but there is an overflow a deluge of blessings that is coming to this house and I call them forth from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We call on the four winds. See if Ezekiel could call on the winds. We call for the winds to bring them in the name of Jesus. Whoever that person is that God has told to give a certain amount of money, that they are still operating in disobedience, that the Holy Spirit will visit them again. And that they cough it up the way the fish coughed up Jonah and bring it and lay it at your feet. Some of you, when he was talking about your bloodline, I want you to know the curse has already been broken, but there are blessings that were bestowed to your bloodline that no one has ever seized. I had to use that word. I don't normally use that word. You've got to seize it in the spirit. Do not forfeit your inheritance spiritually or naturally. God has left it. He has bequeathed it to you. If you don't know what was stolen, ask the Holy Ghost. What was stolen? 
from our great-great-great-grandfather? What was stolen from our great-great-great-grandmother? What was stolen from our bloodline? Where's my land? Where are the houses that I didn't build? Where are the vineyards that I didn't plant? The training has to be in all aspects, Pastor. I know you train them. I know you teach, so this is not to say you don't. But you're going to have to train them in the word, and you're going to have to train them in money. Because the, the, the three T's, I didn't get them out because I started feeling the prophetic. The way that I wanted was the training and that he was testing because there's a transfer coming. And yes, there's a transfer of power coming, but there is also a wealth transfer that is coming. And we've been talking about this wealth transfer long enough now that we ought to call it on in, that we're not just talking about it like it's a hundred years away. But there are natural things we need to do to position ourselves for the transfer. It sounds simple. Ask the Holy Ghost. He'll show you. He will show you whether it's to teach them, whatever it is that he shows you and he drops in your spirit for this church, whatever they teach you, find yourself being willing and obedient. I, I don't know when I'll see you again, so let me start here. Uh, you have to bring willingly, give your tithes and give your offerings. You don't pay tithes because that's not a payment. It is something that we owe. It's a covenant. It is my part of a covenant that I have with God. So I bring him the 10%, but he also says, will a man rob God? Wherein have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. I believe it's Acts chapter 10, where God sends Peter to Cornelius. And Cornelius wasn't even a Jew. And you know, Peter was a funny acting Jew. So God had to send Peter to kill something in Cornelius, uh, to send Peter so it would kill something in Peter. But it was interesting. He said, your prayers and your alms have gone up before me. The alms are not your offering, but we forget about them. But the prayers and the alms summoned the man of God to Cornelius' house out of season. It seemed like it was soon, but God said they came up before me. It's the season to pay attention to the small things. So if God simply says, give this person five pounds, don't think it's too little. See, we have to, see you said the small dream, but I've been guilty of not wanting to give a small offering because it was too little. Because the pride says, I don't want to do this. So I don't want to act like this is all I have. But this is the season to pay attention to everything. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the season to pay attention to everything. So he may say, go over here, give 100 pounds. Go over here and give 5 pounds. Whatever he says, do, do it. The season of increase is here. And it's increasing on every hand. The building, the people, 
but it has to increase financially for the building to increase and the people. Now, somebody can give you a building, praise the Lord. You still need the finances to operate it. So I just want to, a few of you I laid hands, but I want to give you this oil for you to pray with this oil as you see fit on whatever it is that God is saying. It's time for increase. It's time for expansion. It's time for enlargement of territory. It's time to see the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. You will not make money and lose your mind. You will not make money and lose your health. You will not get married and lose your mind. You will not get married and lose your health. You will not pray for something and then get it and not be able to reap the benefit and enjoy it. The devil is alive. Wholeness, nothing broken, nothing missing, no lack. Hallelujah. Let's get in a round of applause, guys. Hallelujah.